Well, good morning. We want to welcome each and every one of you this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. It's exciting to be together. We want to say thank you to all those who are online joining us. Uh, I know Tommy last week uh, gave a shout out to those who kind of said, hey, welcome or or, uh, glad to be here or hi, church family. And so if you want to continue to do that, if you're online this morning, let us know that you're there. Uh, we'll hopefully maybe actually mention some of those who are online uh, later on in our service. But uh, I appreciate Todd Erickson last week filling in for me. It's amazing how God works through different scenarios. Last uh, week was supposed to be our winter whitewash weekend. Uh, back in October, we made a decision to not have that. Uh, however, Todd was already scheduled to preach last week. And uh, in the midst of that schedule... Uh, a funeral came up that I was to be a part of, and so I was going to be out of town. And so, like I said, God just was at work upstream throughout that whole scenario for me to be out of town, and Todd was here. And I will uh, encourage all of those here or online that if you did not hear Todd's message from last week, it's part of a series, Remember the Way, as we go through Second Peter. And uh, I took the time to listen to that this past week. It was a good message uh, challenging us and on the things that we need to remember and work towards. And so I uh, appreciate Todd filling in last week. And I'm excited to continue to see how God is at work through this congregation. Uh, in 2021, we're praying that we'd see 21 people make a decision to be immersed into Christ and uh, praising God that we've seen one individual make that decision already. And I'm also encouraging each and every one of us to see what your role might be in in reaching the lost for Jesus. And so appreciate your generosity when it comes to your giving. Uh, we gave the two-month challenge in November, December, and we've seen that uh, trend of generous giving uh, all the way even into January. And we were able to help out different individuals, whether it be with people's rent or different uh, things like that, food that we can help and, and meet physical needs and then also prayerfully meet spiritual needs. So thank you again for jumping in, being generous in your giving, and I would encourage all of us to jump in and be generous with your time and with your talents as you give back to the kingdom of God. And so I'm excited to continue to imagine more what he wants to do through us, God wants to do through us as a church congregation, and so my prayer is, is that we continue to grow faithfully in our walk with him, and, and that's spending time in his word. Uh, and so as we look into Second Peter this morning, uh, we're in Second Peter, still in chapter 1, and starting in verse 16 of Second Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, grab those, open them up this morning, and uh, if you are uh, physically able to this morning, will you stand with me as we uh, honor God through the reading of His Word this morning? Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 16 through 21. Uh, read in your own Bibles, follow along please, or digital devices are on the screens. Peter writes, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Verse 19. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place 
until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for the prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Father, our desire this morning as we come together as your children is to be carried along by the Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit that dwells within us that we would tap into that power, that we would seek the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit's direction as our counselor. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct our thoughts as we hear from your word, as your word is proclaimed, that it would not come back void, but that it would be powerful and effective in our lives. God, we want you to do work in us and through us this morning. And so I pray that as your word goes forward, may it be something that changes us and and molds us into who you want us to be. God, we want to be shaped by you this morning. Transform us, God. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You may be seated. A boy was uh, sitting on a park bench, and as he was sitting on the park bench, he had he had a Bible opened up in his lap, and as he held the Bible, he, he had one hand in the air, and he said, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! God, you are so great! And, and he proclaimed it, not caring if anybody else heard him in the park. Shortly after, along came a man who had been studying at the university, and he was feeling pretty confident in, in the, the, the studies that he was a part of, and he was feeling enlightened, and, and so he wanted to make sure that he was sharing all the enlightenment that he had received as he'd been studying through different courses at the university, and, and so he sees this little boy, and he's, he thought, well, man, I'm going to make sure I enlighten this young man. And so he, he goes over and he asks the boy about the source of his joy. And the, the boy says, well, don't you have any idea what God is able to do? I just read that God opened the waves of the Red Sea and, and the whole Israelite nation walked right through the middle. And the enlightened man laughed slightly, sat down next to the boy and began to try to open his eyes to the realities of the miracles of the Bible. He said that all can that, that all can be easily explained. Modern scholarship has shown that the Red Sea in that area at that time was probably only around 10 inches deep. And, and so there was probably no problem for the Israelite nation to, to wade across the Red Sea. Well, the boy was stumped and he kind of looked at the pages of the Bible and looked at the man and And as he was sitting there, the man was content that he enlightened the the little boy. And and so he made sure that, you know, again, thinking about these finer points of scientific insight, he, he turned to go. Scarcely had he taken two steps when the boy began to rejoice and and praise louder than before. The man turned to ask the reason for his resumed jubilation. Wow, explained the boy happily. God is greater than I thought. Not only did he lead the whole nation of Israel through the Red Sea, he topped it off by drowning the whole Egyptian army in ten inches of water. (laughs) Well, a lot of people in the world look at the Bible as a a bunch of made-up stories that Christians are trying to push fairy tales on others. But the truth is, we, we can't make this stuff up. 
And that's the title of the message this morning. We can't make this up. Peter was saying the same thing to those who he was writing to at the time. We can't make this up. A preacher shared a story from a VA's Reboot Combat Recovery Group. And Reboot is a Christian-based approach to healing from the spiritual wounding of war. And groups are held in the evening and veterans are encouraged to bring a spouse or another adult with them if they want. And the preacher shared that even though they advertise the groups as faith-based, sometimes people miss that. He said, in our last group... We had just shared an example from David, the warrior king, and a veteran piped up. How can you believe any of these stories from the Bible? They're just fairy tales. Uh, The preacher said that he felt angry at first, but as calmly as he could, he he reminded him that the course is a faith-based, and it's optional, that he didn't have to be there. And he also mentioned that several folks within the class believe that these stories are true and several people nodded their head in agreement and and so the preacher said that we kept going and towards the end of the of group I asked him if he would stick with us he pointed to his wife and said with a sheepish smile she says we're staying so we're staying and at the end of the 12-week course the preacher said I saw a complete transformation in this veteran he was a changed man And you could tell he had grown leaps and bounds in his respect for the Bible as the Word of God. And sometimes attacks on the Bible come from cynics, but sometimes I think if we're truthful with ourselves, there's maybe been times in your own life where you've had your own doubts. Is the Bible real? Is it really the Word of God? What about the seeming inconsistencies that people bring up at times? Or, or what about all the different translations? Can I really trust it? And today I want to borrow from these verses we just read from 2 Peter chapter 1 and give you three reasons why you can trust the Bible is the Word of God. The first thing, if you look there in chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, if you're taking notes, It was written by direct eyewitnesses at the risk of their lives. It was written by direct eyewitnesses at the risk of their lives. Peter thinks back to all the experiences that he had with Jesus, uh, you know, the walking on the water and and just seeing the, the, the thousands fed. And as he thinks through all the different things that he was right there seeing firsthand, he brings to mind, maybe more, more accurately, God brings to mind the account of God confirming the deity of Jesus. Peter was one of the three disciples Jesus allowed to be present at the transfiguration, that mountaintop experience where God transfigured his son Jesus to his fully glorified self as God in the flesh. And it was such a supernatural experience that the Gospel of Mark records about Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 3, where it says, His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone could possibly, anyone in the world could bleach them. And most scholars believe Peter helped Mark write his Gospel. 
Peter is this great disciple that when he doesn't know quite what to say, he, he just says whatever comes to his mind. And so it's kind of that open mouth, enter foot thing. And he begins to babble on the mountain that, well, let's set up some, set up some tents and some shelters for, for you and your companions as you have Moses and Elijah there as well so that they could stay a while. And then this cloud comes and envelops them. And as this cloud covers the three, you hear this booming voice from heaven. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him, Mark 9, 7. And after the cloud dissipated, Jesus alone remained. And understandably, Peter and James and John were were shaken to their core. It was something they were never going to forget. It was this story that came to mind when Peter wrote today's letter. Listen again to verses 16 through 18. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Verse 17, For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. See, this was a case when truth was stranger than fiction. That the truth of the fact that he was there, seeing it seems so much stranger than what he could ever make up. But he was there, and that's what Peter is saying, that he saw it with his own eyes. He, he didn't make this up. In a Jewish court of law at the time, if you were to bring a charge against someone, you had to bring a charge against them with one or two witnesses. And it's interesting to me, as we look at this story of the transfiguration, how Jesus allowed for Peter to have James, John there, to have that those eyewitnesses with them. And here's the thing, Peter, James, and John would all die violent deaths for their belief in Jesus as the Messiah. And all three would go all the way to their death, not once, wavering in their account of Jesus Christ. Lee Strobel in The Case for Christ makes the point that people will not die for a lie. People will not die for a lie. They they will not go to the grave defending something that is untrue. And yet Peter and others wrote what happened to them, knowing that in their lifetime with the paranoid Roman government and the corrupt Jewish leadership, their words would not be well accepted. Yet they never wavered in their account. And as I studied this out, there's a Jewish tradition that says when death for Peter came, his wife was martyred first. And as she was led out to die... Peter comforted her with the words, remember the Lord. And in heaven, Peter and his loyal wife shined together as stars for having turned many to righteousness. You can trust the Bible as the word of God because it was written by people telling the truth 
putting their lives at great risk by penning the words we read today. And we benefit from their courage. Secondly, you can trust Scripture as God's word because it reflects God's single message through a variety of human writers. His single message through a variety of human writers. If you think about this, many of you uh, know that the Bible consists of 66 different books by 40 or so different authors covering around 1,600 or so years of history. And it, and it contains poetry and history and prophecy. And some books are dry while others are downright riveting. And yet with all this variety, the, this Bible has one unified theme of God's love for humanity and it's the story of a God who created a people to be in fellowship with him. And it's the story of that people's betrayal of their God and God's efforts to pursue them and account for their sin, no matter how high the price. It's a love story through and through. And so if you jump down, as Peter writes in verse 20 and 21, says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an awesome image to think about? To be carried along is a phrase used in other parts of Scripture to convey the idea of a, a ship being carried along by the ocean's force. And all these 40 human or so writers were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yet their writings still reflect each of their unique human personalities. Guess which gospel writer pays the most attention to healing miracles? Well... Dr. Luke, of course. And Mark writes his gospel with a hard-hitting common Greek, whereas in contrast, John's gospel is more formal or, or polished Greek. For instance, if you read the beautiful prologue in the first 14 verses of the gospel of John, if you remember the phrases used there, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, there's, there's a polished and beautiful writing that comes from John that maybe we don't see from some of the other disciples. And yet even with their own unique personalities, the Bible writers were keenly aware that God was speaking through them. It wasn't their message, it was God's message. And the Apostle Paul reminded a young preacher in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. That's what our English word inspired means, to be God-breathed, to have the inspired word of God to share with those who will listen. We have that privilege it's because of God speaking through the pages 
of the book, that we can be confident in that message and to proclaim it boldly. And so you can trust this as God's word. Why? Because people died to write it. And because God used ordinary, everyday human beings to capture his message of love. And lastly, and perhaps most importantly, because it will change your life as you read it. Because it will change your life as you read it. Peter notes in verse 19 of chapter 1, says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You will do well to pay attention to it. And indeed, if I'm being honest with myself, sometimes as I spend time reading through God's word, I don't do a very good job of paying attention to it. In fact, as I oftentimes will do my Bible reading through listening, I do my daily Bible reading as I listen to it, uh, but I do my best to then also follow along as the reader from the app reads that. But once again, if I'm being honest... There are times when I don't do a very good job of paying attention and, and I, my mind starts to wander to something else and, I, and I'm, I'm not paying attention to the words on the page and really thinking about what's going on in the passage and, and then I have to just stop myself and say, God, I'm sorry, let's do that again. Uh, let's start that over. Let's really pay attention this time. And Peter tells us to pay attention to God's word but that's really a problem for us at times, isn't it? In the culture that we live in, it's not boom, 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 fast paced. I got to get to this and to that. And if it's not catching my attention, I'm moving on to something else. And, that, and we see that all over the Internet. If the video is more than like three minutes long, you know, more than 30 seconds long, however it is, we're on to the next thing. And so we have a problem with paying attention. See, God gives us this amazing gift of his word, the Bible, and at times, as Christians, we, we set it aside like we don't even care about it. We say, oh, it's, maybe it's just a bunch of stories that are good stories, but I, I'm just not really clicking with them. I, I'm not really getting it. Or there are things that are on TV that are so much easier to understand that, that they make more sense. I'd rather look up stuff on the Internet, do my own research from all the, you know, for sure stuff on the Internet. The Bible is not really all that useful at this time that we live in. It's, a, it's an old book that isn't making a difference in the world today, and we have these different thoughts. And, and so we push God's word away, and we make up excuses that we don't have time to read it, or that we just don't have the energy, and we don't pay attention to this treasure that God has given us. One of the most important things that we have at our disposal Instead, we defend our sin with all kinds of excuses because we aren't paying attention to what God's Word says in our lives. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning. When you make a real effort to pay attention to the Word of God, we find that God uses His Word to grow us to transform us, 
to renew our minds, to change us. And the Holy Spirit, even as we look at these verses, says, shines a light. It's like a light that's being shown into our lives, and, and the light shines on our lives, and we see the sin that we need to to allow for the Holy Spirit to remove in our lives. The, the Holy Spirit shines a light on the path of our lives, showing us the next step and then how to proceed in that next step. The Holy Spirit offers the light of hope when, scriptures, when Scripture urges us to, to not give up. And Peter says to pay attention to the Word like we would a light shining in a dark place. When we were up at family camp, up in Lander this past September. I think it was the first time in about 10 years that I'd been up there. It was a, a great time. I would encourage all of you to make plans over Labor Day weekend 2021 to be at family camp because it's a great time for you and your family. And, and, I, and because I hadn't been up there in about 10 years, you kind of forget where all the rocks and, and things and stumps are. And so we we're on our way back from the, from the bathhouse after brushing our teeth late at night. It's dark out. The the stars are shining, but it's still dark out, and we're making our way back to our cabin, and, and I don't know where I'm going and what. I don't want to trip. You know, I'm getting older. If I fall, I might break a hip or something, and so, you know, I, I get, out, get out my phone flashlight. That was one thing on my phone that was still working up there with no cell service, and I got my little 10 lumens flashlight out. My 10 lumens flashlight, and it worked pretty good. You know, it, it kept my path lit, and I didn't do any, I didn't trip or anything, and that 10 lumens did its job. But then there's flashlights like this. Like this. That is a thousand lumen flashlight. A thousand lumen. This is Tommy Clay's flashlight. And he'll take it to camp and he'll stand at the, the edge of the mess hall if you've ever been up to camp. And there's cabins that are all in a, a ways away on the edge of the outskirts of the camp. And he can stand there and just shine it and look and see. And then, oh, yep. Lauren Whaley, get back to, ca to your cabin, you know, or, you know, and go across and, oh, Bailey Gwen, get back to your cabin. You know, he can see all the way across the whole campground. And if you're, if, if, if I'm being honest with myself, and I think about the light that I would want in my life, do I want the 10 lumen flashlight or the 1,000 lumen flashlight? And when it comes to us staying close to something in our lives, when it comes to how we're living our lives, we need to stay close to the Word of God, the million lumens flashlight or beyond, and the light that comes from God's Word. We need to stay close to the light of God's Word. Matt Chandler commented, if you're not confident in the authority of the Scriptures, you'll be a slave to what sounds right. To whatever sounds right, you're going to be a slave to that unless you're confident in the authority that this is the word of God. And then Peter gives an image of hope. He says to keep paying attention until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. There's going to be a new day. A new sunrise, and those new things here on this earth, they, they bring us hope. As life starts anew. And the true morning star is Jesus, according to Revelation 22, verse 16. 
And Jesus himself, it says in these verses, is going to rise in our hearts if we stay close to the light. He brings about change in our lives if we stay close to the light. And as we stay in his word daily, again, we're new creations. A a new day, a new dawn is rising. Consider Bill. Bill, who was just a young man at the time. He had tried preaching, but didn't always feel the power of God or see any results. And one of his contemporaries, Charles Templeton, got into academia and started to believe Scripture as flawed and outdated. Bill wondered about all of this. A friend of Bill's, Henrietta Mears, invited him to speak at a Christian retreat center called Forest Home. The night before, Bill went off alone into the nearby woods and and he put his Bible on a stump and he, he had an honest talk with God. And he prayed, Oh God, there are many things in this book I do not understand. And from a human perspective, there seem to be problems with it for which I have no solution. And from a human perspective, there are many seeming contradictions. There are some areas in it that do not seem to correlate with modern science. And I can't answer some of the philosophical and psychological questions Chuck and others are raising. And then he fell to his knees, and the Holy Spirit moved in him as he said, Father, I'm going to accept this As thy word, by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts, and I will believe this to be your inspired word. Bill later wrote that as he stood up, his eyes stung with tears, but he felt the power and presence of God in a way he hadn't in months. A major bridge had been crossed, he said, and the next day he preached with a new vitality. Henrietta Mears noted he preached with authority that she hadn't seen before, and some 400 people made a commitment to Christ that day. A few weeks later, he would preach the historic Los Angeles crusade. It was planned to go three weeks, but ended up going eight, and the career of an upstart evangelist took off. The world found Billy Graham as Billy found a renewed faith in the Word of God. And as I thought about that in my own life, can you imagine what God can do through each and every one of you? If each and every one of us found a renewed faith In the word of God. And the question that I kept bringing up to my mind in my own life is, is the Bible changing you, Charles? Are you being changed by the word of God? And and that's my question for all of us this morning. Is the Bible changing you? Let's not allow our Bibles to become dusty, neglected, forgotten in the busyness of life. 
But let's have a, a, a new hunger and a new thirst for God's word to find ways to, to put it into our lives and, and use it on a daily basis. When it comes to the Bible, we can't make this up. Let's trust that this indeed is God's word as we position our lives on it and seek God's voice through it. And so as the praise team comes this morning, we're going to sing a song of commitment, a, a song of invitation. And as we sing this song, I would ask that if you're in Christ, as Galatians 3.27 speaks about, if you're, if you're already in Christ, if you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, that I would encourage you to rededicate yourself to daily being in God's Word, to make the Bible a priority each and every day. It's easy to be distracted by the things of this world, things that we think that we have to do, like we have to have a certain amount of hours on our Nintendo Switch, or we have to have a certain number of hours watching certain TV shows that we just got to get caught up on. But the reality is, is God's word is what we need to make a priority in our lives. And so I would encourage you to rededicate yourself to the reading of the word of God each and every day. And if you're not in Christ this morning, then I would ask that you would study out what it means to be in Christ. And so if you have a decision to make this morning, will you come as we sing? Will you please stand with us?